If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Micah chapter 3, please. Micah chapter 3, we're going to look at uh, the entire 12 verses. The message is entitled, The Judgment of National Leaders. The book of Micah opens up with the heavenly courtroom of God and calls the entire earth to hear his witness against the evil of his people in chapter 1. In fact, Micah responds in a bewailing morning lamentation as he walks around barefooted and just with his uh, lower portions of his pants on, lamenting, bewailing the judgment that's coming. Micah then dealt with the evil of the wealthy as they um, took advantage of the poor and helpless, ending with the kingdom mage for the remnant in chapter 2. And the prophets do that often. The judgment is proclaimed, but there's the hope of the future for that faithful remnant. And he encourages them. Now Micah moves to uh, confront the evil of national leaders that were abusing their authority and positions of power. And it's characterized by three things here in chapter 3. Let me read our text. And I said, hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh in the cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare war against him, who put nothing into their mouth. Therefore, you shall have night without vision and you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed, and the diviner abashed. Indeed, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and the justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity who build up Zion in bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her heads judge for a bribe, her priests teach for, pray, for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is the Lord um, among us? Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins. And the mountains of the temple, like the bare hills of the forest. Micah confronts the evil of the national leaders. Abusing their authority, their position and power. And it's characterized by the three following things. First, you have the foolish leaders, verse 1 through 4. Second, you have the false prophets. In verse 5 through 7. Third, you have the final ruin of the nation. In verse 8 through 12. It begins with the foolish leaders. Verse 1 through 4. 
Notice in verse 1, the prophet Micah addresses the leading men of the nation of Israel. The presiding judge, by the way, indicting them of their guilt is God. And I said, hear now, O heads of Jacob and you rulers of the house of Israel. The word hear um, simply means to listen with understanding, to comprehend what is being said. This marks the second message of the book. The first one is in chapter 1, verse 2, by the word hear again. The third message comes in chapter 6, verse 1. Three messages. Three divisions of three messages. Now, the declaration, notice, is an imperative command in the Hebrew here. God does not suggest that it would be nice for them to listen to him. He's demanding them to listen. The expression here, now, we can understand as parents. Your child's not paying attention to you. Finally say, listen to me now. The implication is you haven't been listening. You've been ignoring. God had been sending prophets for over 200 years. They stoned them. They ran them off. They told them to be quiet. Nothing new. That happens today. People who speak out against false teaching, against naming people who are false teachers. So they get marginalized. They get talked down. Hmm. The entire nation, notice, is confronted by God to charge his people. He calls them his people, his people. Count the times in the book. Amazing. The heads of Jacob and the house of Israel refer to the entire nation. As you know, it's a divided nation. The northern kingdom, ten tribes. The southern kingdom, two tribes. Judah and, and, uh, and uh, Judah. Judah and, and Benjamin. And so you have northern, southern, ten, two. God made this clear as he called the entire earth to hear his witness against the two capitals in the opening chapter, verse 5. Listen, all this... Is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria, the northern kingdom, the capital? And what is the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Chapter 1, verse 5. Both capitals. Now notice the prosecuting attorney bringing forth the general charges is also God. He's both judge and prosecuting attorney. Is it not for you to know justice? The leaders of the 12 tribes were to be the example of justice in their court hearings. But instead, they took advantage of the people. The question is a rhetorical one with only one correct answer. Is it not for you to know justice? The correct answer is yes. If you say no, you're wrong. When you're trying to get attention to your child and they keep ignoring and disobeying and you ask them a question, do I look like a fool? It's very important how he answers. <laughs> it's only one correct answer. They were the ones who were to perceive and comprehend justice. The word mispah, 
the act of making judgments that were upright and equitable and righteous. You'll find it in verse 8. You'll find it in verse 9. It's a key word to this section. The people in power. The people that forget where they got that power that was bequeathed to them. They're stewards. To those that much is given, much more is required. The power that God gives to you or me or anybody else in Christ is to serve others. Not to serve ourselves. Look at verse 2. The prophet Micah brought forth the charge against the leading men of the nation Israel. The charge, uh, God charged them with having an ungodly character. Listen, you who hate good and love evil, those who are to know the law and uphold the law of Moses and love good were those who hated good. Isaiah 5.20, they call good evil and evil good. We live in this day, ladies and gentlemen. Those who were to hate evil were those who loved evil. This is the reason for their unjust deeds. You see, sooner or later, what you believe, that's what you live. What you are contemplating in your mind and your thoughts, whatever you're taking in, that becomes your life worldview. God charged them with the specific charge of injustice against the people at the end of verse 2 and verse 3. Notice the imagery is that of a shepherd who is unfaithful and dishonest by benefiting himself from the sheep of the flock robbing his master. They have no caring compassion who strip the skin from my people and flesh from their bones like a common butcher. They have no guilt or conviction who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones, and chop them up in pieces and meat them in a pot like flesh in a cauldron. So they're thinking of feeding themselves. Ah, well, a bear got them. They're, they're eating the sheep. No compassion. Look at verse 4. God gives his verdict of these leaders that he had given up. Listen carefully. When the calamity comes, they will call on God in vain. Then they will say, cry to the Lord Yahweh. But he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time. I'm always amazed of how many people want to trust a deathbed conversion all the time. And everybody always professes it. Listen to me. You usually die the way you live. There may be some, but there are few. I don't believe all of them. You usually die the way you live. And sometimes God brings the judgment on them. On how they die. It's very clear in scripture. And when they die. Look at verse 4. He gives his verdict. Of these leaders he had given them up. The reason is given there also in verse 4. Because they have been evil in their deeds. Now remember, Isaiah is a contemporary with Micah. He's in Jerusalem. 
while Micah did preach in Jerusalem, Jeremiah quotes him, and then he also preached to the north. But Isaiah 59, 1 through 4 kind of parallels this. He says, he says there, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongues have muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. You think he's exposing the United States Congress and Senate. And our politicians from the president on down. I got a great t-shirt from my staff. I wore it to my grandson's uh, basketball game yesterday as I filmed them. It says, Hillary for prison, 2016. <laughs> People look at you. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Still America. Every nation decays from within due to its liberal politics that leads to low morals and ultimately stands against the Bible and God. Never forget that. We see the foolishness of our own leaders in America as they have brought and bought into the liberal progressive form of government that we see. As they have infiltrated our educational system and indoctrinated the youth of the nation to be the socialists of tomorrow. As we have witnessed the eroding of public decency and order with the political, cultural relativity of politically collect language and um, legislation, as we see the people that are moral and others of faith that believe in absolute right and wrong being intimidated, bullied, and forced to accept the amoral corruption of our day by legal consequences of every kind. Now, we're strangers and pilgrims. We're, we're not of this world, so we shouldn't be shocked at it. <laughs> it's just the American church has never experienced this. The rest of the church has lived under that all the time. It's just a new thing to us. Proverbs 30, verse 11 says, There's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Any doubt this might be the generation? Hmm. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. When you ask young people and they tell you, there's nothing wrong with me living with my girlfriend. Nothing wrong with me just going on a date and having sex. What's the problem? They're not kidding. They have lost the capacity to understand right and wrong. They have no way to measure it. It's an amoral society. We see the revisionists rewriting our history regarding our founding fathers of our nation. They tell us they had no intent of having God as the center of our nation, yet our monuments in Washington, the Constitution, our money, and all the national songs prove them liars. They blame the problems of the nation on greed of banks, Wall Street, and capitalism, when in fact it is 
a socialism forced upon by big government. That is the problem. President Reagan nailed it when he says government is not the solution to our problems. Government is our problem. But it's been a while since Reagan. Some of you remember we were up to 21, 22% interest rates. Let's not forget so easy, so quick. Proverbs 30, verse 13 says, There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Arrogant pride. You know, as parents, when you're trying to get attention to your child, and they roll their eyes back, you want to knock their head off. Right? Pride, arrogance. Proverbs 30, verse 14, There's a generation whose teeth are like swords. And whose fangs are like knives. They devour the, how, the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. No compassion. Young men who break into houses, rape 60-year-old, 70-year-old women. Just shoot a husband and wife, children. Then have a sandwich and eat before they leave. Not the exception today. We have witnessed the abuse, misuse, and plain robbery of our tax coffers. God will judge these politicians by overtaxing us due to being bad stewards of our money. Our money, not theirs. By double taxing of car registration. Some of you already forget. California is one of the biggest thieves. Social Security was never to be taxed. Al Gore cast a lot to tax your Social Security. By bankrupting Social Security and by funding other wasteful projects that equally go bankrupt. Our politicians, bottom line, have robbed us and bankrupt us as a nation. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Listen to Revelation 20, verse 12. This is for everybody who abuses power. President, Vice President, Congress, Senate, statesmen, congressmen, anybody. Listen carefully, the judgment, Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Every person will give an account of the abuse of power. The context of this passage is national leaders. Those who have the awesome responsibility to serve the people. While in fact, they have served themselves. The foolish leaders were leading themselves to judgment. Secondly, verse 5 through 7, the false prophets. The prophet Micah, look at verse 5, declared these false prophets were deceivers. Straight up. He was not politically correct. Micah now is a speaker for Yahweh. Thus saith the Lord. He is the mouthpiece of the covenant of God. They had disobeyed. He is the representative of the covenant of God. They had departed from. 
Micah stated their folly. Listen carefully. Concerning the prophets who make my people stray. What an indictment. You as a parent know how outrageous you would be if you knew that someone was plotting to make your daughter to go astray morally or ethically or your son. How much more God towards his children? The word stray simply means to wander from God. Deviate. These men directed the people away from God in practice and worship that not only were prohibited by God, but they offended God. These men took advantage of the people as well as the rich and powerful that we saw in chapter 2. Notice Micah exposed their hypocrisy who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. They're hypocrites. These men bite with their teeth, devouring people, while at the same time they're proclaiming peace. And while they're doing this, they're noting the people that aren't giving to them money or going along with their agendas, and they're plotting to make war to destroy them so they can get what they won't give to them. Wow. Great definition of a politician. Jeremiah twenty three twenty one says, I have not sent them yet. They prophesied. Look at verse 6. The prophet Micah declared these false prophecies would come to an end. Micah said God would see to it that their familiar spirits would be stopped. These people are not speaking by the Spirit of God, but by demons. Their usual time of channeling their message would cease. Therefore, you shall have night before vision. You shall have darkness without divination. He gives you the source. We're not speculating here. They will be perplexed over their inability. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be dark for them. Why isn't this working anymore? What's going on? In verse 7, Micah said God would silence these false prophets. They would be humiliated. So the seer shall be ashamed and the diviner abashed. They would be in despair, shocked that they could no longer speak by these demons. Indeed, they shall all cover their lip. There is no answer from God. God is the one who is in control of this world. God doesn't force anybody to serve him or reject him, but he will be honorable in your decision. And he will deal accordingly. At his time. Interesting that the occult is so accepted today by our police department, by our professional psychiatrists, by our educators, and everybody. You see, they don't consider it evil anymore. They just consider it spiritual. So people don't say I'm religious. They say I'm spiritual. That could mean dark or light. Chocolate vanilla. 
ACDC. You remember Jeremiah 28, 15 through 17. Hananiah prophesied falsely that God would um, break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from all the nations in two years. As Jeremiah had his yoke of wood and then Hananiah destroyed him and he came back with iron yokes. And, you know, he's boasting and everything. And there it says, and then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord Yahweh has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have taught rebellion against the Lord Yahweh. And so Hanani the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Now God reveals this throughout Scripture that he takes people's lives at times. We're not saying he does it all the time. We're saying that he says that he can do it whenever he wants and does so, okay? We are living in a day when there is no fear of God and many false teachers are within the church. They believe and teach a person can have a God experience without being born again through contemplative prayer. The walking of labyrinths, prayer stations, mantras, contradicting the very words of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. They make it broader than Jesus did. Now, who am I going to believe? I would suggest you believe Jesus. Listen to Brian McLaren, one of the gurus of the emergent church. Quote, I'm quoting his words exactly. I must add, though, that I don't believe making disciples must equal making adherence to the Christian religion. It may be advisable in many, not all, circumstances to help become followers of Jesus and remain within their Buddhist, Hindu, or Jewish context. So if you're a stripper, you can stay stripping. If you're a druggie, you can still sell drugs. This is what the young people are going after, these guys. His book, Generous Orthodox, page 260. The leading proponents of the emergent church do not hold the non-negotiable doctrines as the very word of God. Listen to Rob Bell. He says, quote, our words aren't absolutes. Only God is absolute and God has no intention of sharing his absolutes with anything, especially words people have come up with to talk about him. He's attacking the word of God. They're just words that people come up with. Wow. Again, Brian McLaren, quote, we are emerging. Here's where you get a lot of the kind of mystical new age kind of thing. We are emerging into the new era of Christian faith as a living color, global community. It is immediately clear that this kind of emergence must lead to convergence, a kind of relationship that has never before existed. He has that right. As I'm reading this, I'm waiting for just, you know, 
um, psychedelic, you know, and a strobe light and, you know, hippie days and, you know, somebody blasting a joint and that's what it's all about. It's a different kind of high. Demonic. If it wasn't so tragic, it'd be really funny. A new reformation, they say, but it's really a new distortion. Vintage theology, they say, but it's really vile philosophy. A new spiritual journey, but denying doctrinal absolutes for the journey. You see, we have so many men claiming the title of prophets and apostles today. And they do so um, as a special anointing upon them to gain authority and claim authority above and over people. They declare they can prophesy over people and reveal the future just like the prophets of old. They even now stand on graves of men like Moody and that waiting for their spirit to give them that power. Wow. No different than labyrinths. They declare they have a new path to teach Christians. Let me tell you what God says about the new path. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls, but they say, we will not walk in it. What's new is not true. And what they say is true is not new. <laughs> They've got it backwards. We have Christian publishing houses that now are owned by many secular companies or Christians that really don't care about what they publish. They have no concern for the biblical content of doctrine or theology. A good example is the book Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. Supposedly dictations directly from Jesus. Well, if you read it, you know it's blasphemous. And yet Christians are going crazy over it. They make morning devotionals, afternoon, all that, and they're all over. They're never Christian. We, we, we don't sell that junk here. Publishers, and they're surprised why we don't order more of this stuff. Publishers have one concern, to make money. So they publish pop cultural, self-help, self-esteem, and motivational books to believe in yourself, as if you need help in that. It's a national pastime. Jeremiah 6.15 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? Nope. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you saw someone blush? Let me ask you a better question. When's the last time you blushed? It's a lost art. We're so shocked. We're so corrupted. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At that time, I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord Yahweh. We have Christian schools, universities, and seminaries that have um, apostatized completely. Filling their staff with postmodern emergent people teaching the liberal watered-down gospel under, quote, spiritual formation. Look it up in your universities. 
spiritual formation. I've been there. I've gone through these courses. I've been to school in secular. I've been to school in Christian. Hardly any difference. Emerging. Every sort of politically correct cultural diversity belief that plainly contradicts sexual distinction and scriptural morality, indoctrinating young people in the new Christianity, a twisting deception of the truth leading people astray from God. Isaiah, Micah's contemporary in chapter 10, verse 1, says the following. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune which they have prescribed. Woe to these university and seminary professors and pastor teachers that put this stuff out like Kool-Aid. The false prophets were prophesying their own judgment. Their own judgment. Do you think it's any different today? No. Nope. Notice thirdly, verse 8 through 12, the final ruin of the nation. It can go no other way at this point. In verse 8, the prophet Micah distinguishes himself from the false prophet. This is very important. I want you to listen to me carefully because I'm going to say some things that some of you can Get freaked out, okay? Um, Micah was a true prophet of God. Listen to his word. But truly, I am full of the power of the Spirit of the Lord Yahweh. The source of his message was the Holy Spirit of God. Burning within his heart, much like Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I, I wasn't going to say anything. Jeremiah says that I couldn't contain it. The word of God burning my heart. I had to blurt it out. He distinguishes himself from these false prophets. He makes sure he distinguishes himself from them. Not his own thoughts or agendas, not to benefit himself, but the people. Warning them to give them hope. The Spirit of God was in control of his mind and his heart, filling his utterance as he spoke forth. Not by his own evil nature, not by demonic spirits. The very covenant God, Yahweh, who gave to Moses the law at Mount Sinai, He's the same one. The one who promised to bless if they obeyed. The one who promised he would judge them if they disobeyed. God's consistent. It's we who change. Notice Michael was a prophet of righteousness, he says. There in verse 8. He kept and honored the judgments and ordinances of the law. Listen. Listen. And of justice and might. What was just, lawful, and true is indicated by the word justice. With valor and courage by the word might. Courageous. The problem today of politicians as well as our quote spiritual leaders is they have back problems. They got a yellow streak down their back. They're cowards. Let's put Christianity aside. If you understand how many men have died 
on the battlefield of American wars so that you can sit here and enjoy the freedoms and the benefits of America. That should be enough to make us courageous and to speak out against lies and corruption. If we don't, we won't have those rights any longer. Notice he was proving this by his judgment over the nation. To declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. He was an honorable man. Which of you as parents go along to deceive your son and daughter that they're doing wrong? Thinking that they're doing right. You as a parent correct them. You warn them. As he proclaimed judgment in Jerusalem over the southern kingdom. Then Judah and Benjamin. The two. As he proclaimed judgment over Samaria. The northern kingdom. The ten tribes. Faithful to both. Then notice in verse 9 through 11. The prophet Micah described the evidence of their guilt. And charged by God here. In 9, Micah stated the general charges. The entire nation is included. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel. Kind of a summary statement, bringing it to a conclusion of the judgment here. The verdict, if you will. The heads were the elders of the tribes. The tribes were broken down, you know, as the twelve. The rulers were those responsible to the heads of the tribes. So if you look at Moses, he, write, he breaks them down to 1,000 and 500 and 150, so on and so forth, to delegate and to be able to organize things. The violation was in their courts and abhorred justice and pervert all iniquity. Here again, these men abhorred. This means they loathed, they detested justice. Same word, mishpat. Righteous judgment of holding the law. That was in verse 1 and verse 8. It's just a whore that's good. We hear of judges in our own courts that give a man three months probation when he's raped a girl. A man for three, four years in prison when he's broken in and killed them and mutilated them. They should send those judges to life imprisonment. Ridiculous. These, mean, these men perverted. Means twisted, distorted. They made crooked. Equity. What was correct, upright, straight, and true. Look at 10. Micah stated the specific charges. These men constructed their buildings by murder and injustice. Who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Michael was not impressed with their architectural detail. Oh, that's a beautiful building. When he looked up, he saw blood. Robbery. When I was growing up in the 60s, I had a friend. He'd go midnight shopping. 
You put your car up on four mill crates. He dropped your transmission, steal your wheels in less than 10 minutes. Plus your stereo black light and strobe light. Had the nicest car in town. It was all stolen. Nobody ever looked at him and said, boy, uh, he worked hard for that. Hmm. These men uh, permeated all levels of society. Look at 11. Her heads judge for bribe. Her priests teach for pay. And her prophets divine for money. And there's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money in itself. It's what money does to you, what you allow it to do to you, how you hold it, what's your perspective on it. Are you a steward? Are you honest? Do you work hard for it? Are you benevolent? These men declared they were one with God while all this is going on. They said they were trusting God, yet they lean on the Lord, Yahweh. We're trusting God. They would propose a rhetorical question and say, Is not the Lord Yahweh among us? They and the people would say, yes, but they should have said no. Like that little kid, you know, everybody was going crazy over the king's invisible clothes that his uh, seamstress had convinced him that only the elite could look. And the kid finally said, hey, the king's naked. They said they were safe. No harm can come to us. You know how smug President Obama thinks he is? He had nothing when he came in. He's a billionaire now. You think that's going to help him? Oh, no. It's only going to be worse than any other politician. Deceptive false confidence by saying they were the people of God. And they had the temple. You ever read Jeremiah 7? God sends Jeremiah to the gate of the temple. He says, say to these people, say not the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord are these. Like if you're going to be safe in the temple. I'm going to kill you and wipe out the temple. So people like to go to church. This way at least they're doing that and they think they're safe. Hey, listen, because the rats in the cookie jar doesn't make them a cookie. Because you walk in the garage doesn't make you a car. Look at 12. The prophet Micah declared the sure verdict judgment to come on the nation. The temple mount would be desecrated. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. The word therefore is a concluding statement. This is the conclusion of the whole matter here. The vivid picture is put in a poetical form, a figurative imagery of turning over the field of people and the people were responsible for the coming judgment, leaving Zion just like a plowed level field. No fruit, no harvest, just dirt. Very vivid. Now remember, this doesn't happen until 100 years afterwards. So people say, ah, look at, look at the walls of Jerusalem, look at the temple. These guys are crazy. Be patient. It'll come. 
The city of David would be destroyed. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the entire city. It burned it. Some of you will go to Israel with us. We'll see the burned city of, of old, old fall down in David's city. Still there. The evidence of it. The temple sacked, desecrated. The holy mountain would become common. Listen, and the mountain of the temple, like the bare hills of the forest, there would be no one worshiping God there. There would be no person present in the years to come. In fact, Jeremiah and Isaiah say people walk by hissing, how, how did this happen? And people say, well, because they didn't obey their God. They did disobey. They walked away. You know, God gave 120 years of warning in the days of Noah. I am positive all those people mocked and laughed and Talking about something like rain. What's rain? I don't know. Because it hadn't rained up to that point. Just a small, small mist, like water in the morning, heavy fog. But it came. And they went. Not in the boat. But they perished. There has always been those in the days of the past that have not distinguished themselves from the false teachers and false movements. Just as there are many in our day who do not want to distinguish themselves from those of the postmodern emergent church movement. And if the Lord tarries, the next movement will come. But listen carefully. Many of these people don't want to distinguish themselves, okay? If you're not against them, you're for them. And I'm going to name some names that you read. And you need to understand these people are deceivers. Beth Moore is one of the greatest deceivers of the emergent church. A lot of you ladies read her stuff. We don't sell it. Mark Driscoll. Greg Laurie partners with him. Fungus among us. You're for me or you're against me, Jesus says. Now, some of these people that I'm mentioning, like Greg and I'm going to name Dr. Jeremiah, I can probably agree with 85, 90, 95% of the stuff. But see, it's like me giving you a glass of water and I put one drop of cyanide. You say, don't worry about it. Look at all the water. Really? Brian McLaren, I've mentioned. Doug Padgett. Tony Campolo. Rob Bell. Tony Jones. Dan Kimball. And many others, but Dr. David Jeremiah. I just did a conference with Paul Smith's brother, or Chuck Smith's brother, Paul, Roger Oakland, and Warren Smith. We did it against the Emergent Church. And Johanna Michelson was there, as well as uh, Patriciana, that we see the Gateway films. And they shared, or Warren Smith shared, that they had contacted Dr. Jeremiah 
because he's not mentioning and going against these guys. In fact, he's kind of directing some of the material. And they made an appointment with him, but then he canceled it out. So when I share these things, I share with factual information and things that are going on. If you do not expose these people, and if you are silent, you are with them. You're not for the Lord. I could care less how big your church is. I could care less how many degrees you have. It's not your qualification for ministering the gospel. Oprah Winfrey, biggest deceiver and promoter of deception outside of Rick Warren. And Greg Laurie partners with Rick Warren all the time, too. Hmm. Many of these people explain that the evidence is, look at the revival that's going on. What revival? It's unscriptural. It's subjective. It's based on experience. You may have a solid message, but if you're hanging out with people who don't, let me put it this way. If I hung out with call girls all the time, would you come and hear me? Would you trust me to counsel your wife? Enough said. The unwillingness and refusal to distinguish oneself or to speak against and expose these false teachers, prophets, and heretics boils down to a few things. It's because of money, fame, and power. Therefore, they're part of the ecumenical movement of oneness under the guise of love and not doctrine. The emergent church seeks to establish the kingdom of God through good works. Jesus will establish the kingdom, not us. Completely unbiblical. Undermining the word of God and the gospel of grace and salvation, including all faith, being spiritual, not having to be saved through the gospel alone. Contradicting the gospel. Mixing mystical, mystical practices of Catholicism, Hinduism, New Age, contradicting the gospel. Teaching that we need a new reformation, as I've mentioned. Embracing the diversity of culture and religion, making them one to establish the kingdom. It's called ecumenicalism, which is exactly what Pastor Rick Warren embraces. He's the stepping stone to the emerging church. My friend Roger Oakland quotes Rick Warren speaking at the Pew Forum of Religion in 205 and said, quote, this is quoting Rick Warren, now when you get 25%, let me see you get, yeah, 25% of America, which is basically Catholic, and you get 28 to 29% of America that is evangelical together, it's called a majority. Wow. And it is very powerful block if they happen to stay together on particular issues. There's the key. I would encourage you to look at the over, the evolving, there's a key word, alliance between evangelical, Protestant, and Catholics. They're in these evolving, emerging, and, and, and agreeing on certain points and ignoring the other differences. I can't do that. Many religious leaders, including New Agers, believe in a new reformation, ladies and gentlemen. 
Another one of my friends, Ray Young, and we've had him here in his book, For Many Shall Come in My Name, page 16 and 17, he says, quote, New Age is based on astrology and believe in cosmic cycles called astrological ages. Ages last approximately 2,000 years with the cusp or transitory period between each. For the last 2,000 years, we have been under the age of Pisces, and we are now moving into the age of Aquarius. You guys in the 60s remember? Merrimacu of the fifth dimension, age of Aquarius? Well, that's what's coming in. These are new agers. They're included with this emergent church. Prominent leaders of the new age, Neil Donald Welsh, compares it to Luther's Reformation. What an insult. He says, our intention is to stimulate the second great reformation of world religion. Wow. The emergent church teaches that the life of Jesus is only an example to follow, not atoning for the sins of the world. They preach the cosmic Christ. They preach the God in you, the Christ in you of new age and revive Hinduism. The Eucharist Christ of transubstantiation of the host in the Catholic altar where it literally becomes the body and the blood of Christ. You've seen the Pope, Mexico City, South America, the mother of harlots, the Catholic Church is well alive and rising up as the Antichrist will be set up by her. Powerful. We're seeing prophecy fulfilled before our eyes. The final ruin of the nation would come through judgment, ladies and gentlemen. We see it in our own time. The scenario that's being set up. And so Micah confronted the evil of the national leaders that were abusing their authority and position of power. This is universal. Therefore, the foolish leaders were leading themselves to judgment. The false prophets were prophesying their own judgment. And the final ruin of the nation would come through judgment. God's judgment. The only righteous and true judgment that can never, ever be disputed. Father, thank you for your grace and love, your goodness. Deal with our hearts. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we just pray that you help us stand with you, Lord, even if it's alone. And we pray for these individuals that they repent, that they turn, that they distinguish themselves from those who are just leading people astray, Lord. As you're praying, if you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Maybe you're in the balcony or maybe the floor. Maybe you're over the Internet or hearing us over the radio. Then if you believe Jesus is God who became man, died for your sins and rose from the dead, and that he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you if you call on him, you can call on him right now. Agreeing that you're a sinner under God's wrath, but that he paid the price for you, that you might call upon him to forgive you and to make you a child of God. You can do that right now on your own, by grace through faith. Not because you deserve it, but because God, by his grace, loves you 
And he's giving you this opportunity. You choose where you spend eternity, not God. If you want to be born again, you can repeat this prayer right now, right where you sit or where you're at. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.